So Money, episode 407, Shane and Jocelyn Sands. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 77 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, your scheduling appointments, or to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result will be stunning. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. How's everyone doing? Sometimes I read, I read lots of articles about what's happening in the world and some of the outstanding business people. And now with the show, Follow the Leader on CNBC, I'm completely immersed in reading about what makes entrepreneurs great and you know, all sorts of nerdy stuff. And I fell upon an article on Forbes.com recently about a couple, a married couple named Shane and Jocelyn Sams and how they went from being high school teachers, well, Jocelyn, a librarian, Shane, a social studies teacher and football coach, quitting their jobs to then venture over to online marketing and online sales. And they're now making close to a million dollars a year, if not more, all from just an idea a strategy to quit their jobs and try this. They weren't necessarily experts in this field, but they saw that there was a better way. And their story completely stopped me in my tracks. I tracked them down, got them to come on the show, and here we are, you know, a week later. Things move quickly in my world. Shane and Jocelyn Sams are here. They are the dynamic duo behind FlippedLifestyle.com. Shane and Jocelyn are former teachers, as I mentioned, who went on to build a business that allowed them to quit their day jobs, spend more time with their family, they have children, and earn passive income online. The couple now generates hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit while only working around 10 to 15 hours of work per week combined. (laughs) That's not each of them. That's together. And now they're helping other families do the same by connecting with people through their podcast, their website, and inside their Flip Your Life community. They were recently featured in Forbes, as I mentioned, sharing how they went from making 76 grand a year to about a million. The couple now runs three passive income sites. In addition to FlippedLifestyle.com, they also have ElementaryLibrarian.com and USHistoryTeachers.com. Several, several takeaways with Shane and Jocelyn and including, you know, the moment they decided to make this transition, they were not supported. It was a little bit of a shock and awe moment for them as they went into their high school and quit their job simultaneously. People did not believe they could do this. So how did they kind of work their way through that? How do they learn how to become online entrepreneurs? I mean, we hear about the mystique that is making money online. We kind of think it's too good to be true. They're doing it. So they dispel the myths. And their so money moment, which was just making 11 cents. What? 
Well, we'll hear more about that. Here we go. Here's Shane and Jocelyn Sands. Shane and Jocelyn Sams, welcome to So Money. I love it. My dropout teachers. That's right. We dropped out of school. (laughs) That's right. We bailed on the school trip. You can do it too. So welcome to the show. Um, Are you in Kentucky still? We are. Yes. We live in a small town in the southeast part of Kentucky. Right um, before you go into the mountains. Yep. Right before you go in. Now, you have experienced some internet fame since striking so much success with your online businesses. And so for listeners, you know, they got a little bit of a background package on you before we went live here. We know that you two were both in uh, working at high schools as teachers. And uh, well, actually, actually, Jocelyn, you were an elementary school librarian. Shane, you were a social studies teacher, which was my favorite subject growing up. There you go. Also, you coached football. And you were just not happy with the structure, this idea of, you know, working a certain number of hours in order to make money. Teachers, I, by the way, you said, don't just, you know, have all this free time. You were busy right. all the time. People were not supportive of your transition. Take us no. back to that point. <clears throat> Maybe share a little bit about kind of the mindset that you had as you were making this very bold transition. I can only imagine, you know, you both went in there and quit your jobs. What was right. that like? And um, how did you get through it? Because there wasn't a lot of support. Well, let me let me back up just a little bit and let me go back to kind of why we quit, because that really helped us uh, deal with the lack of support or kind mm-hmm. of the negativity around what we did. Uh, Jocelyn and I had really good jobs. You know, this was at the end of the Great Recession. You know, the, the economy was not good, especially in, you know, Southeast Kentucky, rural Kentucky. We, uh, th- so a teacher is actually like in our area is like one of the best jobs because, you know, I had tenure, so I could not be released unless I did something stupid. Um, so it's a really secure job. You've got insurance, you know, and people view that as, you know, having a lot of stability. But what happened was, um, there was an incident that our son had. Um, at a daycare center where we found out that some people were not treating him well. They were actually uh, punishing the kids in that daycare center by locking them in a bathroom in the dark. And they would keep them in there for like a couple hours at a time. So when we figured out that this was going on, we we knew this was happening. But the day we figured it out, it was in the morning. We were in a mad rush uh, to get to school. Jocelyn had already dropped off our little girl at another building, another daycare center in the same like compound. So like I had to take Isaac over to this other place and go to work. I had no choice. I had to be at work. I had a classroom that was going to be sitting there within 20 minutes. When I went to work, I got another teacher to come look uh, into my room and say, watch my room for me. I've got to go tell the principal. I've got to go. I've got to go get my son and deal with this Uh, because we didn't have anywhere else to put them at the time. And when I went to the principal, the principal basically looked at me and said, you know, I said, I've got to go. My son is, is important. I got to go deal with this. And, and the principal that was there that day, the assistant principal looked at me and said, well, your kids are important too. I don't want to go watch your room right now. And I don't have a sub on hand. So you can't leave. Wow. And that sparked me to say, we, this is not right. There's no way that we have given someone this much control over our life that I have a legitimate emergency and they can tell me, no, you cannot go take care of this. So that kind of led us going down the path of discovering online business. And when we started making money, we knew that we were going after a life that we wanted. We wanted a better life. We wanted more control over our time. We wanted to be able to be there for our kids without anybody saying no to us. So when people started getting negative, when people called us crazy, when they said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? 
we had a really good why to grab onto and kind of resist that temptation to give in to all the haters and the naysayers. So know your why. Jocelyn, yeah. were you on board immediately? Uh, was this something that <laughs> you two just uh, were instant teammates on or was there some resistance? Um, there, some resistance. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely resistance. Um, Shane is often the person who likes to jump off the cliff and I like to make sure the parachute's ready first. <laughs> so, um, works out pretty good that way. Actually. Yeah. I- I was a little bit apprehensive to say the least. Um, we went through just a series of questions and, you know, I wanted to make sure that we understood. But once the thing really picked up and started lifting off the ground, I mean, we did a series of things that most people would think are crazy. Um, we sold our house. We bought a smaller house in a different area of town. Yep. Um, we canceled our cable. Like we, once we were in, we were all in yep. and we decided we were going to make this work. Like there was no turning back. Yeah. Right. Because to make this transition, you need a financial buffer. You weren't yeah. making the money. So was that the reason why you downsized to be able to shore up cash to provide yes. yourselves the freedom to try and test this out? We actually in this in the summer of 2013, you know, we had we had actually in the, we actually started making pretty good money that year. And we were like kind of looking at it like, you know, this it could replace like one of our salaries right now. This is OK. We're moving toward you know, we're making progress every month. But we looked at it around the end of school, April or May, and said, can we quit this summer and not go back? Well, to do that, to prepare for that, we were like, okay, what if we just downsized a lot and gave ourselves more room between what we're paying monthly and what we're making? Um, We might have to live a little, you know, a a little bit more inexpensively, but we might be able to do it. So we actually went back to school, uh, even after the downsize, even after canceling cable and all that stuff. We actually went back to school and started working for a month or two. And then the business really took off. Uh, we were going to wait until May of that year, of that second year to quit. But we decided to just go ahead and do it. And we walked in in September and just said, later, <laughs> which nobody does. Nobody no, I mean, I, I can only imagine. I would love to have been a fly on the wall for that. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, and for me, drop. Was, uh, yeah, for sure. It was especially bad for me, too, because we had just had a new principal. He just started in August. He's a young so guy. That, then I walk principal. in in September. I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm leaving. And the librarian <laughs> is like the heart of the school. Like uh, that, yeah. losing your librarian is bad, you know. Oh my and uh, I, my favorite part of the whole story when I went the day because we pretty much quit like I think we quit like a day apart or something like that. Jocelyn went first. And then I went the next morning. Jocelyn did it after school one day and I did it before school the next. So there would not be word traveling like that this was happening <laughs> before we did it. Principal looked at me and he goes, you're quitting? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done, man. And, uh, and he was like, how long have you been teaching? I've been doing this for nine, almost this will be my 10th year. And he goes, you've got tenure, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, man, you're crazy. You're, he said, you're crazy. You've already got nine years toward your retirement. And I looked at him and I went, yeah, but there's 18 more. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that was, it was it was it was wild. His mindset was you're this far in when there's just so much more life that you could be doing in something else. So it was pretty awesome. And you're like, exactly. And I'm like, yes, you are right. I've already um, wasted nine years. My, so I'm tell out. us how you make money. I mean, we all hear about the obscurity that is online online money making, online marketing. Um, can you break it down for us simply so we can understand how actually you make money? Let's, let's do that yes. for, for the, for listeners and me. <laughs> okay. What we do is, and, lo- and what we tell people to do is, you know, a lot of the messaging online is selling the dream, follow your passions and the money will follow and all that. And we're just like, that's bull crap. That's not how it works. What most people do is they start with something they really know. They start with something they are quote unquote expert enough in. 
And then you sell that and that will eventually let you do what you want. So what we were experts in, Jocelyn was an elementary librarian. You know, she has a master's degree from Western Kentucky. Uh, she was trained to do that and she knew how to teach kids in that setting. So she started creating um, lesson plans, but not just like random one-off lesson plans like you can buy anywhere on the internet. She created a full system of lesson plans for every day of the year and you can buy into that and never have to plan a lesson again as an elementary librarian. I was a football coach, so my first site was I was an expert at this one specific kind of defense. So what did I sell? I sold playbooks and practice scripts and plans in the forms of videos and PDFs uh, to football coaches. So what we did was we took things that we already knew, uh, that we already could create products out of, we, and we knew there was a market. I mean, there's you know hundreds of thousands of elementary librarians. There's hundreds of thousands of football coaches. Uh, every librarian in America or every school in America has a library. Every school in America pretty much has a football coach. So we decided to just focus on that. People come to our website. They find us through things like Google or Facebook ads, and they just pay X amount of dollars to buy our stuff. And how we make uh, really stable money is we actually don't sell the thing as a whole. We sell it as a monthly membership. So maybe someone comes to elementarylibrarian.com. They pay, you know, 50 bucks a month and they get unlimited access to the 600, 700 resources in there. Uh, we have another website for history teachers where people can go buy history lesson plans. It's the same thing. You come in, you pay $49 a month, and you never have to plan a lesson again. And what we really realized was it's not just knowledge we're selling people. It's time and convenience. They love having all that information there. If a librarian goes to a new school, she doesn't have to have anything with her. She just logs back in. And she's got her plans for the next day. Same thing for a football coach, a history teacher, or uh, anybody else. So that's what we did was we focused on what we knew. We mm. created that and served people that might not know as much as we did or did not have the time to create what we created. And uh, they pay us monthly for it. The subscription is an interesting choice. Why did you want to go subscription? And how often, how long do people stay on as subscribers did, do you find on average? Well, we started out with a one-off product um, years ago, and I just sold like the complete system of lesson plans on Elementary Librarian. But the problem that we were running into is that people would have a hard time paying. Um, at the time, I think I was charging like 400 and something dollars for the package. And that's sort of hard, especially if you're a teacher. So we decided to go to the recurring revenue model where people pay monthly because it's a lower monthly fee. So it's more affordable for the individual. And also it creates more continuity for us. We know for sure each month that we're going to have X percent of customers stay with us. So that's why we decided to go to that model. We, we also think like like we went through a periods of, of ups and downs, like a roller coaster. Like we call it, it's like the launch model. You know, everyone's like create a product, sell it for a bunch mm -hmm. of money, get all these affiliates and do all this. But that is extremely um, high energy. It is extremely difficult. And we met a guy named James Shramko a couple years ago. And he was telling us about how he was selling uh, memberships. And the reason he did that is because it was lower energy. So we started exploring if that was an option um, with what we had. And it just totally fit what we were doing. And, it, and we've, we've, we've helped dozens and dozens of people implement this same stuff. It, it can almost fit any kind of business if you divide it up right. And also, too, if you take the focus off of your content. Launch models are content-driven. They begin and end. And you're so tired and exhausted, but then you have to turn around and do it three months later because you run out of money. So like with the with this model, all we have to do is create a community of people around our product and people will come in for the content, but then they'll get so 
used to the community. They'll be so appreciative of the leadership that they'll stay and keep paying month after month after month, even maybe when some of the content they've already downloaded or they've already got. So it's pretty interesting. We probably have people like stay six to eight months on Flipped Lifestyle. Maybe uh, usually they stay for the entire year. We have very high uh, retention on the teacher sites because you got to have that lesson plan the next day. And the, so, three, uh, the three websites again are? Uh, elementarylibrarian.com, mm-hmm. ushistoryteachers.com, and uh, flippedlifestyle.com. Jocelyn, I was reading, you guys had a great profile in Forbes. Forbes.com, everyone, check it out. There's like this really long and interesting. That's how I found you, actually. I read that and I was like, I need to get them on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but what I really, one of the things I stuck, I was stuck on, uh, Jocelyn, you said that your first attempt at online marketing and selling was you made like 11 cents and you were ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Whereas others would have seen that as failure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, um, that goes back to when Shane was like super excited about starting online businesses. And, I, you know, at first, this was back in 2012. I was kind of like, uh, I don't know if this is going to work. Kind of like. Uh, more like every day I didn't make money online. She was like, I told you so. <laughs> like, because she thought all these people mm-hmm. were scammers that we first, that I first started listening to. So at the time, you know, he's he's made several websites. He probably had like five or six at the time, <laughs> just like trying different stuff. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of person he is. He likes to just throw a bunch of stuff up and see what happens. So anyway, I'm like, yeah, whatever. So we're laying there in bed one night and, um, you know, I'm like reading a book and he's on the computer and he like jumps up and he's like, oh, I made 11 cents. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, it was super. Bowl touchdown spike like it was crazy like because I, I kept ref- hitting refresh on the computer because I, I was literally about to give up like we were a month away from school and I was looking at my I, I didn't have any product at the time I was just using like Google ads and I was writing blog posts and I was hoping someone would click on my ad and I hit refresh and it was zero and when it came back it said 11 cents and I just went nanner nuts and jumped up and started doing a happy dance and Jocelyn mm-hmm. looked at me like what is wrong with you? Did I, why did I marry you? <laughs> you know I mean? But it really was just, it was just a proof of concept for me. I saw that finally, as a result of all the effort, that something did come back. And so it just started the wheels turning in my head like, okay, well, if he can make 11 cents off this, what could I do to make 11 cents or $11 or $100? Yeah. And the two of you have more than 10 x your combined incomes annually. Oh, yeah. yeah. How has the new financial lifestyle, how has it changed? What have you bought? What's different? Are people coming to you f- asking for help? Like what? <laughs> I know. Oh. All of it, right? Give me all of it. Well, what's what's if, all if could, different and new? If I could count the people that wanted to go pick our brains at the coffee shop. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I think right. that, you know, some of the differences might be travel. I think we travel a lot now. Like we probably go somewhere every month. You know, if there's a snow coming in February, we're not sticking around for it anymore. Like we'll fly down to Fort Lauderdale or somewhere just to run from it. And we're just we're always kind of on the go. Um, We actually still have the house that we downsized into because we're really comfortable. I actually wrote the check this morning. We paid our taxes yesterday for everybody that just wrote that has done that. You know, I'm sorry, but we paid our taxes yesterday and I actually wrote the check this morning. We're going to pay this house off. So we just own it. Congratulations. Yeah, I, I never could have imagined being 38 years old and owning a house outright. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, that, that wasn't even a, a thought that my mind could wrap around four years ago. You know, uh, what else do we do? I mean, pretty much pretty low key. Yeah. And I mean, our kids are involved in a lot of things. Like we have them, oh, yeah. uh, our daughter does competitive dance and our son does competitive swimming. We're able to get them a lot of private instruction. Yeah. 
and um, go to all their beats. Yeah, we we go to everything, and um, yeah, it's just a life living the life, guys. Yeah, yeah, we're like normal people, so like we're not like dropping money. We're just like (laughs) we live in our little small town. You know, we go over to the local drive-in. Jocelyn, you're wearing a fur coat as you speak right (laughs) now. No, that that is not true. (laughs) We're in pajamas, actually. I'm the furthest person from that. I pretty much wear workout clothes or pajamas every day. (laughs) (laughs) Our robe is our uniform in the winter. I love it. I love it. When we hired our executive assistant we bought her a robe because we're like you're working from home now <laughs> you gotta her, wear the uniform monogrammed initials right right exactly <laughs> so let's transition to the so many questions i love your story and and, and guys if listeners you want to learn more check out that forbes piece or go to so many podcast.com of course but tell us a little bit about maybe your financial philosophy as a couple and has it changed since you have transitioned to being entrepreneurs um, I think that it has somewhat. Um, I'm a person who believes that you don't, I don't want to wait until the end of my life to enjoy my life. And that's a philosophy that we have sort of adopted as a couple. Um, we don't really believe in being frugal. Like most people, you know, we don't stop going to the coffee shop or make our own bread or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, we're responsible with our money, but we also believe that you can't take it with you. And we value experiences and memories with our family a lot more than money. Um, we also feel that time is a lot more valuable than money. And uh, the reason for this is because in the last 10 years or so, um, we've had a lot of unexpected deaths in my family. Um, my Nana died about 10 years ago, and she was in her 60s. Um, my aunt died shortly after in her 40s. And then also we lost a 40-year-old cousin. And so that just wow. really hit me. And it made me realize that life is really short and I might not make it to retirement. I mean, not to be like morbid, but you just never know. And Mm -hmm. so that's why it's so important to us to balance that responsibility and also to use our money as a tool now to live the life that we want to live. Yeah. A good example of this was like this weekend. We do fall back into our old habits because we we don't want to trivialize how hard it is to live in America paycheck to paycheck because we've done that. We've been there, you know. And, but this weekend we were out and we were looking for swing sets. We're going to put a swing set in our backyard. I went out the other day and my little boy and girl were sitting out in the backyard, just picking grass. And they're like, we're bored. And I'm like, I got to get them a swing set. This is ridiculous. First so, world problems. First world problems. <laughs> so we went out to put the, uh, to get the swing set and we were looking at them and we're like, well, if we get this one without the building, it'll be this much money. Or we get this one without the slide. And Jocelyn kind of looked over at us at me and said, what are we doing? Like our kids are only little once. And if, we don't get this now and let them enjoy it now. We won't have those pictures. We won't oh have those books. They won't have that. So we just decided we're going to buy the best freaking swing set we can, no matter what. We're going to put it out there. And we know for the next two to three years, our kids are going to have just the greatest memories um, in the world. And that kind of goes back to what Jocelyn said about our philosophy with money. We kind of view money like you have to have an open hand. Like people close their fists around their money. And the problem with not letting any money out and just saving everything is that you really don't let like those memories and those things that uh, more money come in. Whereas if you just have an open-handed approach where, you know what, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to let the money flow in and out, everything will be okay and you'll have a much better like life for that. So that's kind of how we view yeah. money. Your kids are too young maybe to f- really see what you're doing and understand it. But do you think they're picking up on some of the financial oh, awesomeness yeah. that their parents are exhibiting? Well, we, we teach them that we're very vigilant. We, we, cause we've, you know, we, we both, both grew up not wealthy, you know, at all. Um, we were very, you know, normal, lower middle class type people, you know, growing up. And then even when we had jobs, you know, we were middle class, just had paycheck to paycheck. 
when we saw this transition, we started being very proactive about telling our kids, you are very lucky to get this opportunity. You're very lucky to have this. Most kids don't get things like this. Uh, you know, when we go to, especially when we're traveling, because, you know, our kid, my son has flown more in his seven years of life than I did in my first 30. So it's like we, we are very uh, vigilant about that. And also sh- we want to show them us helping other people and talk about those things because we don't want it to just be, you know, them seeing it. We want to actually tell them this is not the norm unless you work hard and make it your normal, you know? Right. Time for a quick break to put the spotlight on one of our sponsors today, Wealthfront. Wealthfront is the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Now, many of you I know are interested in simplifying your investment strategy. You want to reduce fees. You want to work with a service that you trust. And Wealthfront delivers. It builds and manages your personalized, globally diversified portfolio. To open an account, the minimum is just $500, and that gets you a periodically rebalanced, diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds. There are zero trading fees, zero hidden fees, and advisory fees that are just a fraction of traditional advisors. In fact, Wealthfront manages your first $10,000 for free. To learn more and sign up, visit wealthfront.com forward slash so money. All right, let's go down memory lane a little bit. We just talked about your kids, but when you two were children, what, do you think you were prepared as adults to take on your financial lives with um with, you know, strength and fortitude, or do you feel like you had challenged financial upbringings? What was your greatest money memory as a kid growing up, each of you? Um, For me, it was definitely, uh, my mom and dad are awesome. I mean, they, I I realize now that they had hardly anything. I mean, it was, uh, my dad was a a cable repair man and my mom stayed at home with us because they couldn't afford childcare if she worked. So um, the biggest thing that they taught me is that they always taught us how to live within our means. Um, I remember one time they left us at our grandparents' house and they went to get a new car and they thought that they were approved for this loan, but when they came came back, they had no new car. And what happened was the dealership had decided that they needed a loan co-signer. They didn't want to ask anyone for help, so they didn't get the car. <laughs> um, I just it. remember that. We're out. <laughs> um, also, they never had credit cards. Um, there were times that my mom told me that their checking account would get down to less than $10 before they got paid. But That's they so still. Scary. Yeah, really. I mean, I think about it now. I'm just like, whoa, that's crazy. Um, But they never put anything on credit cards. So I think that that really taught me to not get in bad credit card debt, like even as a college student. We hate that. Yeah. Yeah. For for me, it was uh, I I, I have a my dad was my dad owned an insurance agency. And, uh, you know, and he but he had just started it when I was young. It was growing. You know, he only had one office. He's actually got two or three offices now and everything's going, you know, really good in his business. Uh, so I got to see kind of the entrepreneurial side of things, but I, you know, I had a bad perspective of money, I think growing up a little bit, I was kind of like the fourth child. So like, you know, it was like your parents are tired and you kind of get everything you want, sort of, even though they can't really afford it. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of thought it's my money. These are my things. I, and I felt like I was a little bit materialistic. And I remember this one memory that really shifted my entire relationship with money. My dad called home one time and was like, come get me. And I'm like, come get you. And he's like, yeah, uh, get your mom. Come get me. Someone stole my car. I'm a Walmart. <laughs> he walked out and his car was gone. And oh I can remember gosh. writing. 
I know. And, I, and I'm like, this is crazy. I remember riding there and I was mad. I was just <laughs> so pissed off. I was like, man, because my dad had just got this car and like we had been driving cars that were like 1971 Cadillacs, like in the 80s. You know what I mean? Like we had been driving 20 year old cars and he had just got this nearly new, new to us car. Right. So I was like, so someone stole it. And I was so mad. I was like, that's my thing. That's our stuff. That's we spent our money on that. And some bum stole it, you know. Uh, so dad gets in the car. I, I, I will never, my dad wears these big aviator like glasses and he's like, just I love like, at the end does now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did then still does. Looks, looks exactly the same. And he said, top he gun. looked back at me at top gun. He's, yeah. He's Maverick. He's riding it. And, uh, he said to me, he looked back and he was grinning ear to ear. It looked like someone had like gave him a, pr- a hug and a present. And, and I said, and I said, I said, what are you, I said, why are you smiling? Someone just stole our car. And he looked back at me and he said, Shane, some poor old boy was passing through and he may have just needed a ride home. It'll turn up eventually. Oh. And I, and I remember at that moment, I realized that money was not the most important thing in life. You know, that was the most expensive possession that we owned. And my dad just shook it off that someone stole it. And it kind of taught me that, you know, life is really about blessing other people. There's always somebody worse, worse off than you are. And you know what? Just be content with what you got and take everything as it comes mm-hmm. and uh, everything will be okay. And, and the, the exclamation point on the story was a couple weeks later, police called. They had found dad's car up in Cincinnati, which is about three hours north of here. And they towed it in. And I remember when they brought it back and they put it out, the only thing that was wrong with it was the left side mirror was broke. And dad looked over at me, still wearing his aviator glasses. <laughs> it was another day. And he said, and he looked at me and smiled again. He said, see, Shane, huh. we got the car back and that poor old boy got home. Everything Aww. works out. Yet. So that was kind of like, to me, like, you know, just the, putting money and materialism in its place. But wait, and we're the really hubcaps. How we've done that no, ever since. no, the hubcaps were there. We had the hubcaps. <laughs> All it was was the empty tank of gas and the broke mirror. So, yeah. Um, that's a great story. And that, those are stories you never forget. That's no, like, never. That's a chapter in your life. Yeah, I, I can point to events where things like that happen too. like the first time Joss and I tried to buy a house. I actually coached college football. I was a graduate assistant at West Virginia for a little while. And we went up there and instead of renting, we were going to buy a place to kind of, you know, it's just a better investment. And I remember we walked in and the guy goes, you guys are approved for four hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, we're broke. And in our 20s, yeah. <laughs> like I remember and Jocelyn looked at me and goes, no way. No chance. So we bought a home that was like $90,000. Yeah. yeah. Banks still do that, by the way. I know. Right. But if we hadn't had like if Jocelyn hadn't had her like that memory of yeah. we're not going into that much debt and maybe we had a different perspective on the materialistic way of things, we might have just been like, heck, yeah, baby, where's the five bedroom? You know? Right. But that's unfortunately how um People get into debt because what, what 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 are they supposed to think? A, a financial institution is entrusting them with all this money. They, I mean, as individuals who feel sometimes that we don't have a lot of financial brilliance, we leave it to the banks to make decisions, and so we we accept their offer, and it's very exciting. You know, oh wow, I didn't know I could I was capable of managing that much you know of a mortgage, and so right. it's uh, you got to look out for yourself. Yep. Very scary. Yeah. Thank God. Her- thank God Jocelyn was sitting next to me that day. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness. Thanks, Jocelyn. <laughs> you got it. Well, you mentioned failure earlier on. What was your biggest failure starting the business? Oh, starting the business? Oh gosh. I don't know. We haven't had a lot of like 
I mean, we've not really, the only thing I could say a failure of ours in the business was like, we've not really had a lot of financial failure because we've really been, uh, you know, I think we hit it right at a time in our life where we were mature enough to handle it all. You know, I guess the only thing that I could say was we, we did not hire people fast enough and we did not switch over to a more recurring, uh, style of membership soon enough because we were becoming very tired in like the second year of the, of the business. And it was becoming exhausting kind of living launch to launch, you know? So like, while our finances have always been really, really good because Jocelyn manages the day-to-day stuff. I manage the like budgets and big picture stuff. So we've always had a good grasp on that. But I think just from a time and energy perspective, our biggest failure was that just not hiring people as yeah. we grew to grow faster. Cause you always want to, you always like, I'll just do it myself. I'll just roll up my sleeves and work 70 hours a week. Right. But, then but that's we, counterintuitive, counterproductive. It's counterintuitive. Yeah. It's exactly. totally it's what we wanted to get away from. That so. prevents you from growing. It doesn't, the hustle and grind and working 80 hours a week stops growth. It doesn't uh, give you more growth. More growth. It happens when you release things, delegate things and build a team. So a personal question, I'm thinking of launching a product this year and listeners know this because I've, I've quizzed all of my listeners on what they want. I think I figured it out, but okay. my, what the thing I'm grappling with now is do I hire someone to do it all for me or do I do it as much as I can myself. Like I want to write the course. I want to do the videos myself, but in terms of, you know, creating the platform, creating the payment system, marketing, all that, is it something, is it something that the average person who already has a job can spend the time to learn? Uh, and if not, what's a fair amount of money to out? Like how much do these, do these things cost? Cause there are people who can charge you, you know, Oh, for sure. Up the wazoo. So like, can you give us some tips around that? Like when you are outsourcing to help facilitate your launch or your product, what makes sense? What doesn't? And how much should you really pay? We always say that there are two ways to do things. You can spend time or you can spend money. Um, if you have the money to be able to hire some of the things out, we highly recommend it because it's going to be a lot less time. You're going to get your product to market a lot faster and therefore you would sell it a lot faster. Yeah. Um, you've done a really smart thing, Farnoosh, by asking your audience what they want from you. I think a lot of people leave this step out. They think that they know what their audience wants and they try to sell them something they don't really want or yeah. need. But by doing your research, and finding out what people want from you, that is like a super way to do online business. Now, I, I, I 100% want to go back and say, we started out doing everything ourselves. We worked full-time jobs. We had, how old was Anna? Um, we had an 18-month-old 18 and a three-year-old. Three yeah, so we had two little bitty kids, you know, pretty much still in diapers. And we made the time to learn it. But the mistake we made was when we started making money, we still kept doing all the work. And you should spend money to outsource when you have the money to outsource. So that might look like something at first, like, okay, I'm going to take my first hundred dollars and just get my hosting, get the things I need. And I'm going to do this, you know, mostly by myself. But then maybe you go make a few hundred dollars. Well, maybe I need to invest into somebody that will, you know, go in and install my plugins and do all that for me. That's not that much money. Or maybe I do need to go spend $500 to make my next product. I'll hire a ghostwriter to create that. I have, I think there's 6 million words of lesson plans on ushistoryteachers.com. I wrote none of them. I actually hired out every lesson plan to do Mm -hmm. that site. And uh, we also hired um, a virtual assistant to set up all of the backend systems. And we hired a designer to design the website. The only thing I did was I went in and designed the opt-in strategies. I, I, I kind of did the optimization to make sure that when people got there, they knew what to do, gave us their email, and then got marketed to. And where did you learn 
all of this. I know that you were inspired by Smart Passive Income, the podcast yeah. by Pat Flynn, but how did you educate yourself on all this? Were there resources that you recommend? Um, we, we read a lot of books and yep. Shane and I are pretty nerdy. Like we like to <laughs> learn things. Appreciate that. So, um, we read a lot of books, we but we did things. To, that was the main thing. Yeah. We just took action. Yeah, we listened to a lot of podcasts. We sort of, um, got a good idea of like what thought leaders in the industry were saying. And then we just took action on yeah. it. Like, I think some people get in a holding pattern of listening to every podcast out there, and reading every business stuff. book, um, taking every online course. You can't do that. Like no. find somebody to follow and take action. That's how you get ahead. We actually realized that people were a lot of contradictory information out there because a lot of the gurus, they try to say their way is the best way. And really, nobody knows what the best way is. Your niche is going to be so individualized because of your personality, the people that are attracted to you, the content that you're covering. There's only one way to know if something works is to do it. Does Does an email work? Will this email convert? Send the email. If it doesn't convert, try another email. And that's kind of what where we got to where we were like, let's just take all the stuff that we think is right. Do it. If it is right, we'll do more of it. If it's wrong, we'll do less of it. And we just learned as we went. But then when we started hiring people, we created detailed plans on the things we had done and they worked and gave those to our people so they would follow our plans and they wouldn't be out there, you know, looking for the best ways to do things. They would do it the way we knew it worked for our business in our niche for our people. And now you're teaching people what you've learned. And that's a course. Yes. Well, it's actually a community. It's a is community. What we call it. Okay. Yeah. Because like our the Flip Your Life community that we have, which we're super excited about now because like our, our people have had so we have hundreds of people that have joined our community to kind of do what we've done. And like so much success is flowing out of that community now. We're having people quit their jobs. Uh, we had a lady launch like two days ago and she got like 50 monthly members the first night she launched. And like, that's, that's really where our, our passion is now. We spent the time to build a business around our expertise. And now because of that, we get to do what we're passionate about, which is helping other people to find this freedom and find this life. You know, when you get, I get to pick my kid up off the bus every day. That's not the norm for a lot of families. And if we can help one dad stay home and, you know, pick up his kid off the bus or one, you know, mom to be able to go to her kid's soccer game. That's really where we're at right now moving forward is how can we help as many people uh, figure out something they can do and enjoy that success just like we have. Well, speaking of success, what would you say was your so money moment? So money moment. Hmm. I'd say it was probably the 11 cent moment. Don't you think, Jocelyn? Like, I think that that, I I seriously think that, like, you know, we've had months where we've made like over a hundred thousand dollars, you know? But like nothing stands out in my mind to wh- except for that uh, when that 11 cents said, yes, the Internet can send you money. <laughs> I mean, it's like that's what just changed everything. Yeah, I think that was definitely the most impactful for me. I mean, we've had a lot of success, certainly. But the one thing that just really stands out in my mind is just we somebody clicked an ad and that ad from our content gave us money. It's like there is another way to make money besides indentured servitude for 40 hours a week. You know what I mean? Like someone can, you don't have to go to work and someone take care of you. You can take care of yourself. So I think that's definitely, you know, our so money moment, basically. How about a habit that the two of you do maybe as a couple to help with your finances? 
Um, I would say that we, as Shane was saying earlier, we try to um, go with our strengths with our money. So Shane is better at like a big picture type thing. So he does a lot of the strategy as far as like what we're going to save, what we're going to spend, what goes to taxes, things like that. And I handle more of the day to day operations. Like I make sure people are getting paid. I make sure the lights stay on. And <laughs> Which would not happen if I was in charge yeah, of it. Basically. Shane is not so good at I'm thinking six months ahead, not tomorrow the lights turning on when I walk in the room. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I do all of those types of things. So I think that that's um, basically what we do on a day-to-day basis. And we kind of, I think the, the habit there would be, which is tough in a marriage and a business partnership, is just staying out of each other's way. You know what I mean? Let everybody do what they're best at and get it done so that the whole you know organization can kind of move forward. All right, you two. Are you ready for some so money fill in the blanks? All right, let's do it. I I feel like you'd be pretty good on your feet. Okay. If, uh, if we won the lottery tomorrow, let's say a hundred million bucks, the first thing, (laughs) it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a, it's a lot of courses that you've sold. That's a lot of courses sold. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We would, first thing we would do is, I think that we would take a three month trip around the world and then, I would start my own online business version of Shark Tank with my friends. And I'd, nice. we would invest in other people's online business. I think that's exactly wow. what I would do. Yeah, yeah, you know, online businesses don't make it to Shark Tank. That's right. There's they, nothing they, to see. They, they need a home. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm, I would give them that home. And I was actually in an... Uh, I was at South by Southwest with um, uh, Kevin from Shark Tank and oh, Kevin O'Leary. I'm so jealous. And, uh, yeah. And I was moderating <laughs> a panel that he was on and someone got up from the audience and said, I have an online marketing business. I help customer, I help my clients with their marketing. I'm an online based entrepreneur. What do you, what could I ever be on Shark Tank? What's your advice for me? And he was like, I have no idea. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, that's hilarious. More or less. He was like, um, I'm not really sure how you can scale this. You know, I don't really understand why you would even need an investor. Come talk to us, Mr. Wonderful. I'll, we'll show so, you how to scale it. <laughs> I think you, I think you're onto something. I think that, you know, there is a market for that for sure. That uh, all right. One thing that we splurge on and we don't regret it. It's just a guilty pleasure. We love it. It is our full-time personal assistant slash housekeeper. We have someone now who comes in every single day. She's like my little laundry fairy. Um, she does all the dishes. She's and puts amazing. Them away. Laundry fairy. Oh, I would love a laundry fairy. That's <laughs> the one amazing. thing we haven't hacked yet in our house is laundry. You need a laundry fairy. I'm telling you. Yes. Like it's amazing. Like, Jocelyn, like Jocelyn's so detailed. She created like a four page bulleted list minute by minute of everything this person does in our house every week. And like we bought a label maker and Jocelyn like outsourced making the labels to label every drawer on the inside. <laughs> so like, so that's like she also sh- labeled the label. Maker. She labeled the label maker. <laughs> that's how detailed Jocelyn is. But so uh, there's so no sh- confusion or mistake. There's no happening. confusion. It's an absolutely that's amazing. Brilliant. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would outsource the person to make my labels. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It would just be so meta. Like I would just be running and I would just be like, you know, sitting in a corner like. In a Zen state, in a like Zen, in a yoga, you know, basic. yoga position, right? <laughs> um, all right. One thing that we spend on that makes our life easier or better besides the laundry fairy. I think for sure travel because, man, like I can look back and say, gosh, we haven't been anywhere in years when we before we did this. But now we get to go places and it's just so rejuvenating and recharging and just gives you so much perspective in life. So 
definitely spending money on travel is really good for us. Do you have good a goal with traveling? Like you want to visit all the countries by a certain time or not all the countries, but maybe all the continents? Nah, we've been to three or four. I think that it's just more just to have, just to live life, just to go see where the road takes us next. You know, when I was growing up, the one thing I wish I had learned about money is. I would say that there are other options. You don't Mm. have to follow the world's plan. You don't have to follow the typical American dream. Like Mm. there are other things out there. I agree. Yeah. You mentioned um, giving back earlier in our conversation. So this kind of applies to that. And this is how it goes. When we like, when we donate, we like to give to blank because. Uh, We like to give to we give all of our donations to our local church because um, we are Christians and uh, we believe strongly in that. And we also believe that our donations do the most good in our local area. So we like to keep Mm -hmm. our donations local. Fantastic. All right. We're Shane and Jocelyn Sams. We're so money because. Uh, We are so money because we make our entire living with passive income online and we help other families do the same. I love it. I'm learning. I'm taking notes. Could you hear me? That's (laughs) right. You need to join our community, Farnoosh, after this. I'll give you a link. Oh, I will. Yeah. And I know you have a special link for so many listeners. We do. It's at flippedlifestyle.com slash so money. And uh, what we're going to do is just I know that a lot of your listeners are probably a lot of them are probably hearing about this kind of thing. Maybe not for the first time, but this might be the first time it's really been real to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to put together some of our best resources just for so many listeners to kind of help people understand how to get started and uh, what to do next. Perfect. You two have been so wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom with us and your courage as well. and Your amazing story. And we I can't wait to follow you from now on and see where life takes you next. We're not done. I You're promise not you. done. Yeah. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having us on today. My pleasure. Have a great one. That's a wrap, y'all. Thanks so much to Shane and Jocelyn Sams for joining me on the show. Their website, again, is flippedlifestyle.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at FlippedLS. As always, if you missed any of this, head over to somoneypodcast.com where you can grab the transcript, the audio, the comments from this episode and all previous episodes. Stay tuned tomorrow for another episode of Follow the Leader, this time following Katya Beecham, one of the co-founders of Birchbox and now the CEO. Do any of you out there have a Birchbox subscription? Men too. They have Birchbox for men. Fascinating business and how it's going through some growing pains is the focus of tomorrow's Follow the Leader. Stay tuned for that. 10 p.m. Eastern Pacific on CNBC. See you there or see you back here. Maybe both. Hopefully both. In the meantime, hope your day is so money.